0: Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast, where the church's status quo and sacred cows get rounded up, simmered down, and dished out. And now, here's your chief cook, author, innovator, filmmaker, and founder of group publishing, Tom Schultz. Welcome to Holy Soup, where we take on the sacred cows and sometimes declare the emperor has no clothes. Matter of fact, this is the capital of fearless conversation, and today's topic is one that provides plenty of fodder for that. We're talking about the idea of the end times, Armageddon, even the uh, possible presence of the Antichrist. Are the current happenings and serious signs of the coming end? Is the Antichrist roaming the streets as we speak? Well, some are reluctant to talk about this stuff, and others have turned this subject into a veritable cottage industry. But one thing's for sure when it comes to prophetic writings in the bible people find a lot to disagree about in some churches preaching about the end times is a well, it's a frequent main event in others the subject just never really seems to come up or it's or it's treated as a taboo subject well who's got it right well, our guest today injected himself into the middle of this fray. He is Billy Hollowell, author of the new book, The Armageddon Code, One Journalist's Quest for, the End Times, for End Times Answers. It's a journalist's take on contemporary discussion of ancient prophecies and present-day happenings. Uh, Billy interviewed pastors, theologians, and other Christian leaders to get a sense of how the various factions interpret what's happening around us. Welcome, Billy.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Hey, this is fascinating stuff. But I got to ask you with the, all the books and films out there right now, why were you interested in adding one more to the pile?
1: I think it's a great question. A lot of critics have said, oh gosh, not another book about the end times. But this one is a little bit different. I think when we see a film or we see a book about the end times, it's always coming from the perspective of what somebody believes. And you kind of will end up with premillennial books, and you'll have rapture books, and you'll have books on Revelation that are very specifically centered around one worldview. And this book, The Armageddon Code, is sort of my attempt to go to about 20 experts and ask them, what do you believe? And those 20 experts have different opinions. This book sort of puts all of the perspectives out there. And I think if you're a Christian and you're looking to try to understand, even if you have a good understanding of the end times, uh, this gives you an opportunity to sort of fact-check, see the proof for the viewpoint that you have, but also understand what other Christians believe out there, because the fact is... Uh, There are a few areas that have more, I think, debate than the end times. It's really important that we understand what other Christians believe so that we can refine what we believe as well about the end times.
0: Mm. Now, I know that you grew up in a Christian home and heard plenty about biblical prophecies from a really early age. Now, after researching for this book, what struck you most about what you heard?
1: I think what struck me most is that fact that I just mentioned of just this debate. I knew there was a debate out there about these issues, but most of the churches I went to, the rapture, the pre-tribulation rapture was something that was taught. Uh and you know, it's interesting because I just didn't realize the depth at which and I think the fervency through which some people debate these topics and for me the biggest takeaway, I had always been taught you know, about Israel and the importance of Israel, but the biggest takeaway for me, and I think the most compelling piece of all of this, and this is sort of the one thing I did take a little bit of a view on um, in the book, so not too much of a, a spoiler alert, I hope, there, but was just uh, what Israel's place is in Scripture. And I think if I were an atheist, the thing that I would have to walk away with most. Like, let's say I don't believe it all in the Bible, but I look at the book of Ezekiel and then I look at current events, I would sort of be up against a wall to at least believe that there's some strange things happening in terms of looking at the events being discussed in that book 2,500 years ago, and that book obviously being seen as prophecy, the book of Ezekiel, and projecting out to now, there are at least some strange parallels there, and that's really stuck with me. Many people I interviewed who said, no, 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 that prophecy in Ezekiel has already been fulfilled, But it is fascinating to have the reformation of Israel happening after 1948, um, having this notion of Persia being an enemy of Israel. Of course, there's a history there, uh, and there are things that happened long ago, but there are current things happening that relate to that, and I find that really fascinating.
0: Uh, You know, in the book, you quote Tim LaHaye, who, of course, is well-known as the left-behind author and uh, talks and writes a lot about the end times. And you quote him as saying that many people simply don't know anything about Bible prophecy. They can sit for 40 years or a lifetime under the preaching of somebody who doesn't take prophecy literally, and they'll never understand it. And LaHaye says it's 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 one of the sad features of our times. Billy, do you think that's true. Have our churches, our pastors, our teachers been remiss in teaching our people about this stuff?
1: No, and I do think that quote, yeah you know, my my response to that after working on this book would be, that you have a lot of very sincere people who take the Bible very seriously, who spend their lives studying it, who walk away with very different ideas, and some of those people are on a scale, in a range, um, of believing that certain things have already been fulfilled, like the Israel prophecies that I just mentioned. Others believe that most of it hasn't been fulfilled. I think I would conclude that there is a sincere belief in that. I think Tim LaHaye's belief is that if you don't take that literal view, then you're missing the truth um, about these things. And yeah, the other piece of this is the, the frustration that some have. A lot of the uh, experts that I interviewed, they really uh, did not have a level of frustration. They sort of said, look, this is not, your view on the end times is not a salvation issue. Um, it's an important issue so that you understand what is to come and the events that might happen, uh, but it's not a salvation issue. Others tended to get upset about the other side and feeling really, I think, also a legitimate feeling on their part of feeling they're not being honest, they're not being genuine. It's embarrassing, you know. Hank Hangraff uh, essentially calling some of the views that pre-tribulation um, rapture enthusiasts have as being embarrassing. So it was that was an interesting thing to me too, just the scale through which people felt frustration or comfort with their view and the view of others.
0: Yeah, well, I, many pastors just avoid avoid this stuff uh, because it's uh, the whole discussion has taken on kind of a goofy patina <laughs> that's, yeah. been, that's been perpetrated by well some religious figures who have predicted dates and times for the world to end and then uh, obviously later that turned out to lack a little bit of credibility and and now we have iterations such as the the red moons theories and i'd yes. like to touch on that a little bit in your book uh, you described the the blood the blood moons theory is based on the idea that a tetrad a, a rare series of four lunar eclipses occurring only on Jewish holidays over a two-year period, could indicate that something profound is about to happen involving the state of Israel. And uh, you quote John Hagee, who uh, said that God is trying to tell us something. Uh, he wrote a book called uh, Four Blood Moons and also came out with uh, what, what I would describe as a rather hokey movie of the same name. Is, is all of this helping us have an intelligent discussion about the Bible's prophetic writings, do you think?
1: you yeah, know i think that's a great question and that and that is towards the end of the book and the reason i chose i know some people say so why did you include it it really became such a big phenomenon for people and we had i had spent a lot of time covering it and i have personally expressed some of my doubts and confusion over that theory i do, look there are a couple of interesting elements of it but there's also uh, a jewish calendar that of course some of those holidays are going to fall when they fall, because of how the Jewish calendar is, is put together. It, it's, in, it's an intriguing theory, but I think we spend so much time getting obsessed with certain details of things that you, you sometimes walk away, and I think the outside world looks at it, and it is a little hokey. I think with the end times, what has happened is some of the interpretations, the predictions, I mean, you have the Herald Campings of the world, mm-hmm. who have, again, predicted dates and done exactly what we're not supposed to do. I think the danger with the end times, and this the blood moons could fall into this, I think, is that, you know, when we obsess over those details and we obsess over perspectives that we have, uh, we sometimes miss the boat on the, the idea that some of this is deliberately cryptic. And that is a term that a number of people who I interviewed used to talk about the end times and saying we can't be 100 percent sure. You know, a lot of people talk about some of these things like they're 100 percent sure. I think we can look at what's there, come away with a theory, but I personally believe we have to have that openness to understanding that, look, we can all agree Jesus is going to come back, and I think that 99% of Christians, um, because that's a central hallmark of Christianity, that Jesus will come back. Some Christians, though and not to go off on a tangent here, but some Christians believe, the full preterists believe that Jesus essentially came back in A.D. 70. But that's a very small group. So we can all agree on that fact. Jesus will return. How that will happen, the before, the during, the after, that's where this debate um, sort of takes form. And I think Something like the blood moons, it, it may take our focus a little bit off of maybe the theology here. It just it does seem like such a big jump, and you kind of the question I've always had about the blood moons is, well, why is there so much? You know, why do we have to think so hard to look for a sign? Um, and, and what does that even really matter? If it tells us that something is going to happen with Israel, well, what do we what do we do with that, mm-hmm. right? <laughs>
0: You you discuss in the book a number of interesting theories about some of the current things that are happening in Syria and Iran and even ties to Russia. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, and I think this goes back to Ezekiel. and I really feel this is the most interesting argument. I see all sides of it because I've, I've interviewed people on all sides, but Ezekiel 36 to 39, these events that, and you can sort of split it in two, in 36 and 37, those chapters, the discussion about all of the tribes of Israel coming back together, um, coming back to the land. There's debate about the Babylonian captivity, which obviously happened long ago, and whether or not the prophecy in Ezekiel was fulfilled with that but a lot of people say no you know we're talking about all of the tribes of Israel we're talking about everybody coming back together Israel reforming I do think the strangest event in modern history is nineteen forty eight you know May 14th 1948 Israel coming back onto the scene it is very bizarre that a country would be gone for nineteen hundred years and would suddenly be essentially back and what you're seeing is people fled back to that country now the debate is over whether or not that's part of the Ezekiel prophecy But the second part of that would be um, chapter 38 and 39, this discussion about Persia, this Gog and Magog, and we and we don't really know who Gog, the leader of Magog, which we assume is a country, uh, who those who those figures would be. Uh, some would say Magog will be Russia because it's described as a nation to the north, uh, and some would say Gog could be, I guess, if, if this were happening today, let's say it would be Putin, but whoever is leading Russia. This is one of the theories that there will be an invasion, an attempted invasion into Israel, and that there will be a coalition that Persia is listed as the first country in that coalition would be part of now whether people believe that or not and believe that that's already been fulfilled or will actually happen in is literal we do have Israel back on the map and we do have Iran as one of its biggest enemies which is at least interesting uh, I think you know if we're looking at it you, your eyebrow raises a little and you say okay well maybe it's by chance that that is happening and uh, I don't know it's, it's kind of odd but the Syria piece You go to Isaiah and Jeremiah, and there's a verse about Damascus uh, being in ruins, a heap of ruins being destroyed. Now, what we see happening in Syria has raised some eyebrows since 2013, and some people have said, well, is this biblical prophecy unfolding? Is Damascus going to be destroyed? I do think critics would say, well, look, Damascus has been attacked many times in the past, Um, and so you can go back and forth on all these things, but it it is bizarre also to me that... All of the things that are happening right now in the world, many of them are in the very areas that Ezekiel is and Isaiah and um, obviously Jeremiah and, and other books are talking about. So that's why it gets our attention.
0: Well, you also write about uh, Bible expert Hank Hanegraaff uh, went on to say in in his conversation with you that some pastor's decisions to transport pieces of prophecy to the 21st century are irresponsible and i think he may have been talking exactly about some of these things like the ties to the present situation with syria and iran and and russia and so on and that's where he called uh, those kinds of comments and those kinds of inquiries embarrassing so where do you fall on that
1: this is again hank hangraff is somebody who takes the bible just as seriously as anybody else who was interviewed for this book and i think For me, one of the intriguing elements, and I think it was Dr. Michael Heiser who told me this, um, this notion of dual prophecies, which I found fascinating, and again, you can read into these things too far and you can go, but you know, whether or not certain things are talked about and they repeat throughout time, and one of those things would be Daniel 9, the notion of an antichrist, the type of antichrist that people see in Daniel 9, you have Jesus in the New Testament pointing back to what Daniel talked about, you then have this discussion about the beasts in Revelation. And not everybody believes that all the that the beasts are connected, obviously, to this notion of an antichrist. But you know, dual prophecies—that was something that sort of fascinated me. And I thought, huh, that is that is interesting. Why that would be the case? I don't know. Why you would have repeated events happening over time that are very similar? I don't know. I think Hank Hanegraaff is very genuine in what he believes. I think um, for me. I just again I go back to that. What kind of gets me, and it makes me wonder. And and I'm just all about trying to, you know, trying to figure these things up but not obsessing over them because I'm comfortable with us not knowing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And before I I answer, I think the other part of the Hank question. One of the things that um, Michael Heiser said that I thought was very fascinating was looking back to the Old Testament and talking about Jesus's first coming. A lot of the like, if Jesus hadn't come yet. We look back to all of those verses, it might be very confusing. They're disjointed, they're sort of strewn throughout these prophecies about the Messiah. But now we have, the, we have the ability to look back and say, oh, okay, we see how who it was. We see that it was Jesus, and he fulfilled those things, and it makes sense now. We don't have the same ability with the end times to obviously look back, because it ha- some of this stuff hasn't happened yet. Obviously, Jesus hasn't returned yet. We can't quite look back and say, oh, these verses make sense now. We don't have anything to compare them to. So... It's a little difficult, and I think the that prophecy sort of operates that way. For some reason, there's that mystery there, um, so that's what opens the door to people like Hank having very different views from people like Greg Laurie or, or others in this debate. Um, you know, is it embarrassing? I wouldn't use a word like that because I, I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. It It is strange to me that, again, the same key players, 2,500 years after a book was written, are still on the scene having similar issues, it seems. Obviously, there isn't an invasion, but very similar issues going on as to what was happening at that time. That is interesting, I hmm. think.
0: You know, another... Uh uh, object or, or subject that you bring up in the book is the antichrist now, what did you hear from leaders about the the whole prospect of the antichrist is as, as, and I think of as world events today heat up and the political season is in full swing we hear people speculating about the presence of the antichrist and and is the antichrist in in government right now or running for office right now uh, what did you what did you find out about that
1: yeah, I think, well, and this is another area. It's similar to the rapture and date setting, where people throughout the past 2,000 years have tried to name people. They'll say, oh, that person's going to be the Antichrist, or they'll try to say, I mean, specific people, or they'll say, well, it's going to come from the Catholic Church, it's going to be the Pope. You know, They, they come up with these projections that, that we have no basis for any, and we're not supposed to be projecting people and dates. Um, and we shouldn't even be consumed or concerned with that, but yet people do sometimes go too far with it. I do think we look at the modern culture and things are feeling, very disjointed, very disconnected. we are feeling a lot of Christians like the moral center is has sort of just imploded or exploded, and you know people are turning away from God and You look at the political season and my gosh, I had a friend who was joking the other day and, and with a, with a hint of seriousness and said, you, know, "You look at who the candidates are at this point and you kind of walk away saying, wow, it's going to be so easy for an antichrist to rise at some point." I kind of laughed at that, but I do think um that there is such a fascinating discussion and the word antichrist first of all it only appears and I don't think people even realize this in 1st and 2nd John that's the only time that that word yeah. appears and it seems to be there is a there is a singular mention of you've, you know, you've been told the antichrist will come but most of the mentions are plural and the discussion is about any force or individual who doesn't believe in Christ who works counter to Christ and so that's a very broad definition, and, and anything could essentially be an Antichrist. But when you look at Daniel and you look at, at Jesus' words pointing back to Daniel, it seems to talk about a, a figure, a singular figure. Um, but people would say, well, Antiochus, you know, when he went in and, and defiled the temple, Antiochus would have been what Daniel 9 was prophesying. And, and then you, you can go through, for, there, there are explanations for each of those mentions. I think the big piece is Revelation 13, the beast of the sea, uh, and then there's also the beast of, of the land, which the beast of the land is the false prophet. But when we talk about that beast of the sea, it's it's really fascinating because that's the tie that, uh, especially premillennialists and others, will they'll point back and they'll say the beast is the Antichrist, and this is another part of that discussion continuing on from Daniel 9. Uh, So, yeah, what I found was that there's obviously a lot of debate there as well, but we did a survey, and we asked three questions, and one of them was about the Antichrist, and that survey was of pastors. What do pastors believe? Mm. And really about half of pastors, it was 49%, believe that a future figure Antichrist, one singular Antichrist, will rise. And so the other half is divided among a variety of viewpoints on, on whether it's the Antichrist is an institution and not a person. Uh, but in half of churches, we could assume then, and, and I would point out there are also liberal and conservative churches in here and pastors in that survey, about half do believe that there will be that future figure.
0: Mm. Well, when you when you just stand back and look at all of this, uh, it's fascinating to think about it. It's interesting to talk about, to debate about, but uh, what uh, where do you come down on uh, what we ought to be doing as, as people of faith, and is this really helpful to our, uh, our faith journey? I think uh, toward the end of the book you cited, uh, and you, you've already touched on this a little bit, you cited an interesting perspective about looking at prophecy after the fact rather than before
1: I think we need to focus on the hope at the end of this. When we talk about the end times, we lose the hope so much. And the hope is Jesus coming back. That's what we all agree on, right? Uh, That he will come back and that there will be a second coming and that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we can have the debate about what that will look like. We really don't know. But this notion of a second coming and and making things right and how things will eventually look, that's the hope sort of at the end of the tunnel. I think it's important for all of us not to obsess over these details, for all of us not to... Become consumed and to fight and battle each other out. I think it is important, though, on the flip side of that, to have knowledge and information to understand where Christians are, co- where our fellow Christians are coming from. You know, you've got 36 percent of pastors saying you know, that they believe in. Um, a rapture, right, a pre-tribulation rapture, but then you have a lot of other ideas, 18% talking about a post-tribulation rapture. It's important to know that because it helps us sort of understand the theology and the perspective, but I think we have to find that balance of not obsessing over it. Uh, Because, look, what we believe about Jesus is obviously the most essential and important thing um, in this world, in this universe, and this is a part of that, you know, you know, The end times is a piece of that, but we can't let it become the only piece of our theology. Uh, We just need to strike that balance, I think.
0: Well, it's important to to talk and to think about this stuff, and and it is fascinating for sure. Well, here at at Holy Soup, we believe in fearless conversations. And for topics like this one, uh, group publishing has created a group discussion series called Fearless Conversations. You can find more about that at group.com or your favorite retailer. And these types of conversations happen every week across the country in Lifetree Cafe locations. You can learn more about that at lifetreecafe.com. Thank you Billy. Uh Your Thank book, you very much. The Armageddon Code, available now at uh, retailers and Amazon and other online retailers. And uh, we'll have to have you back unless, of course, you get raptured first.
1: <laughs> well, I would, I would love to come back. And we'll see if the rapture happens. And, and we will see. But I would encourage people to also go to endtimesanswers.com.
0: Thank you, Billy. We'll see you next time around on uh, Holy Soup Podcast.
1: Thanks a lot.